And in, in telling someone else that, you're telling yourself that too. Mm-hmm. You can't say that to somebody without believing that yourself. Yep. And it strengthens your faith. And with Kara, she would send these texts or at the end we would be sitting there and she would have these questions or say things that I just wish I had the perfect, most wise answer for. Right. But her suffering was so deep at that point Mm -hmm. that I had no words to say except that God is faithful. Mm -hmm. God still loves you. God's love has not diminished in your hurt. And I was not just saying those things to Kara. I was saying those things to myself. And now, Mundane Faithfulness presents, in partnership with South Park Crawlspace Records, the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast. Welcome to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast, where friends of Kara Tippett's gather to discuss issues of community, grace, hardship, and the gospel. I am your host, Blythe Hunt, and today Jill and I are in the studio discussing her book that she co-authored with Kara, Just Show Up, and we are answering questions that our readers have sent in. This person writes, how do we determine who we are supposed to show up for because it seems like I'm trying to show up for the wrong people? You know, I think that one of the hard things about showing up for people is because they are in crisis and suffering, we don't always know how what we are doing affects them. We have no idea if it's helping. So when you say, am I showing up for the wrong people? That might not be true. You might be showing up for the right people, but you just might not know exactly how much they appreciate it or how great it has been for them. And I think, too, it's just a question that you can go to God with. Is this someone I'm supposed to show up for? I think when Heather was in here, she said, if I can't let go of something, if it stays on my mind, if that person stays on my mind, that's how I know this is someone I'm supposed to show up for. I definitely think God can meet us in those moments and give us that nudge of, yes, go this direction, or maybe not this person, but someone else. I don't think it can ever be a problem to show up too much or to choose someone, if even if you're a little bit on the fence about them. Do it. Do it anyway. But then we have to let go of that part of ourselves that wonders, uh, what happened when our when we did this? Or did they appreciate mm-hmm. it? Yes. And that is hard. Right. I am, yeah, I'm not belittling that. I mean, that's hard. But you do kind of have to let go of knowing how your thing affected them. Because right. it becomes not about you in that moment. It becomes about where God is nudging you and who God, God is nudging you to. And I don't think that we can discount what prayer is in just showing up. I agree. So even if this person is not open to um, your efforts when you're trying to show up for them, or if they say no thank you, then you can still pray. And that is such a huge part of showing up for somebody, even if they never know that you're praying for them. Yes, Jill, absolutely. What What would you say about um, the element of trust and relationship in just showing up? There's a difference between just showing up for a stranger or somebody, you know, say there's somebody new at school or new at, at church or work, mm-hmm. and 
you know that they have something going on and you'd like to show up for them versus showing up for somebody that you have a deep uh, relationship built on trust Mm -hmm. with. What's the difference there? Well, I think the difference is that um, what you do is going to be different. If you have a great relationship with someone, you've known them for a long time, you have a trust there, you can offer to watch the kids or be more involved in even in their house in ways that someone who is new to the situation can't. So I think what you're going to offer is going to be a little bit different. And you can just read into that a little bit of, okay, what what makes me comfortable? Because that's an okay place to start. Um, yes, we have to push out of our comfort zone a little bit, but we can start somewhere that makes sense for us, like grocery shopping, or maybe it's just a step removed and that's okay. All of those things mattered. I mean, Kara had so many different circles around her. Some mm-hmm. she ended up being really close friends with. Other people were very selfless and chose to be there, even though maybe a relationship, you know, Kara didn't have the capacity to have a best friendship with everyone she met, though right. she certainly did her best. Um, she wanted to. <laughs> she wanted to. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people just accepted that and thought, okay, I'm going to serve in the capacity then that God's calling me to. And maybe it is a step removed. And again, it comes down to kind of let go, letting go of maybe what we had for preconceived notions. I think, too, that sometimes when you feel like you're failing, when you're trying to just show up for somebody, there's an element there of um, what your motivation is and what the person might need versus what you think that they might need. Right. But you have to remember and trust that the Lord created us for relationship. He created us for community, and He will provide that in some form and fashion, even if it's not what we expect or not what we think it will look like, and even if it's not right now. Mm -hmm. So when we're going through something that's really difficult and really challenging and we need someone to show up and no one shows up, it's not because um, God doesn't love us. It's not because He won't provide in the future. I don't know why we have seasons like that. But I do know that some of the people in my life who have been really, really good at just showing up are the people who have had those seasons, and they understand what it's like to be alone through suffering and be disappointed and be let down by the people around them, because then they know what I need. They'll know what other people need. They'll know what it means to just show up in ways that are going to be deeply impactful. Absolutely. I agree. How do you ask for help when you feel like you're a burden and people aren't offering? You know, one way that I think I saw Kara do this was to see us for who we were and meet us in those personalities. Mm. So I'm an introvert. I, for the millionth time, am not great at meals. I don't know how many times <laughs> we can say that on, on air. Um, and I think we talked about this in a different session, but she would often say to me, like, do you want to come over if we had something to talk about or whatever was going on? She'd say, get Lacazette on the way. I mean, I look back on that. It seems so small, but she just met me in who I am. Yes. And she made it easy to show up for her. So if you are the person who is suffering, how can you make it easy, I guess, for someone else is what I would say. Um, Do you know them well? Do you know what they're gifted in? Maybe you could start there. Maybe you see the mom who has a bunch of kids and just seems very gracious and kind and loves to be with children, then that's a great place to start in asking her. Maybe she can take your kids or 
You see what I'm going at? Yes. I, I just think Kara was very selfless, mm-hmm. um, but also very aware yes. of the people around her. And so absolutely, I agree. It's horribly hard to ask for help. I'm horrible at accepting it. I'm even more horrible at asking for it. But, and again, like Bly said, we can pray about this stuff. God is not absent from this mm-hmm. journey and he's not absent from community. And, you know, I half wonder if you start praying about it, if something will present itself. Yes, absolutely. It's risky. It's scary it because is. that person can say no. Right. And you have to be ready for that and trust the Lord in that, that exactly. he's orchestrating these things. How can you become someone who recognizes needs around you? I think that as we mature in Christ, as we um, are sanctified, as we become more Christ-like, this will naturally happen. Uh, we will naturally start to notice the hardships of people around us. But I also think that there is um, there are intentional ways that you can notice this. Um, the first thing you do is you always pray. You pray that God will open your eyes to hurting people around you, that um, He will help you to put your selfish desires on the back burner. Um, and by that, I just mean the everyday, like like when you go to church and you are so excited to see your friends and all you can think about is this is the one time a week I get to see that person. I can't wait to catch up with them. Maybe every once in a while, instead of looking for that person, you look for the person who's sitting by themselves or you look for the new person or you look for the person who was um, crying during communion, something like that. Mm-hmm. So instead of... Um, doing something that you normally would do, you sacrifice, take a step back and have your eyes peeled for that hurting person. I think that it's going to take practice and it takes discipline and it takes a lot of sacrifice. I also think that um, the more hardship you walk and the more hardship you walk with those around you, the more you see it, the more you realize that this life is full of hard. It's full of suffering Um, everyone around you is suffering for some reason. It may not be that they're dying of cancer, but it could be um, something else. And if we could treat everybody around us with that grace that we all need, but that grace uh, that says, I see you, I know that your heart is most likely hurting for one reason or another, and I want to meet you with kindness in that place. Um, it becomes just a general attitude that we can have toward people. Okay, Um, this kind of follows an answer from a few minutes ago. How do you balance loving people in accordance to your gifting with what their needs are? So like you have pointed out, meals are not your strength. Right. So what if somebody specifically asks you for a meal. Do you Mm -hmm. just say, sorry, that's not my gifting? What do you do? Well, for me, I do usually a meal that's pre-made from somewhere, like from a deli or Costco or something. I kind of have an idea in my head because it does sort of send me into a panic. So if I have a go-to meal, that helps for me. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't meet that need. It just means that I tweak it to also fit my personality, because I could do the meal, the homemade meal, and I have in the past. It really does kind of stress me out. I wish yeah. it didn't. I wish I loved to do that. And, you know, this makes me sound like I don't cook, and that's that's not true. I do. But I do like things simple, and Mickey was mm-hmm. talking about that. 
I just don't like to complicate things. And so I go at it with, okay, how can I meet this need and also not stress myself out so much that I never want to do this again? Yes. And we have to walk that balance and that's okay. Yeah. We are not all, you know, Martha Stewart, we're not all made to be that way. And I think you find more joy in giving when you kind of figure out, okay, how does this work for both sides? Yeah. And and then it's easier to continue showing up for someone. Right. Well, what do you do when someone asks you to do something that is um, super uncomfortable? You've never done it before. Um, I had a friend who asked me to go with her to the doctor. She was going to get some test results. And we had a suspicion that the results were pretty serious and pretty grim. And I, to be honest, I didn't know this woman very well at all, mm-hmm. but she didn't have anyone else. So I wanted to be willing to show up for her in that way. But this kind of thing and taking a notepad and a pen and taking notes and asking the right questions, I was so afraid and so intimidated. And I mm-hmm. thought, I'm just going to completely fail her. Right. What would you... Um, Did how, you go? I, I went. Yes. And what happened? Um, I took a notepad and I took my pen and I took notes and I prayed a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we had a great time. Otherwise, we went out to lunch afterward and, and, and that was good. But in the middle of it, I just felt like I was not mm-hmm. ideal for this situation. Yeah. I do think we are sometimes forced or called to do the things that are out of our comfort zone. And while it's nice to figure out kind of what works for you and what works for them, I I think you did the right thing in that situation. I mean, you did it. It may not have been easy and comfortable, but you did it. And I think a lot of times we see the blessing after the fact mm-hmm. of, okay, God carried me through that. Right. It wasn't easy, but he definitely carried me through it. I mean, I, I think I say this in the book. I have never been qualified, mm. never felt qualified yeah. for any of this. Yeah. And so maybe he uses those moments to remind us that it's about what he's going to do, yes, you know, and not what we're going to do. But absolutely. I mean, I get that uncomfortable feeling. I would be the same way, but I love that you did it anyway. And I think that speaks kind of to who you are, a selflessness to say, okay, maybe I'm not going to do this every day. Maybe this isn't my ministry, Yeah. but in this instant, there was no one else. Mm -hmm. And so you stepped up and did it. What I kept saying to myself is, it's not about me. It's not about me. Get over yourself. It's not about me. Because I didn't want my own insecurities to interrupt or distract or get in the way of um, how I was trying to love her and what she was going through with this diagnosis. Exactly. How do you overcome bitterness when people do not show up or are unwilling to go to deep places with you because it's just too hard? I think bitterness is a big issue. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because bitterness can, um, it rots our hearts and it interferes with our trust in God. So when we allow ourselves to become bitter, then we are saying, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you because I was hurt and I don't trust that you'll provide in the future. And I have been there. I have, I have been in places where there was no one and I have been bitter. I'm really good at being bitter. But what I've learned is that there's no room for um, good things to happen because you're so inward focused when you're bitter and it becomes all about you. And you miss the gifts that God is trying to gift you 
because you're so focused on your own hurt. So this is what I think. I think you acknowledge that this is hard and that you have been hurt and you take it to the Lord and you say, I don't want to be bitter. I want to trust you, even though I don't understand and I may never understand this side of heaven. And I want to be the kind of person to show up for someone else that I wish had shown up for me in this moment. I think that's a great answer and a great point. And in all the stories that I've heard of people who have gone through really hard things, I always notice that they are the people who show up in huge ways for other people because of the lessons they learned in that. And so maybe they were hurt and maybe they were better, but then a lot of them take that and they change it and they're they're different for the rest of their lives in how they show up for other people. Absolutely. How do you show up for difficult people or people in complicated situations whose needs are greater than what you are able to give? I've always thought some people are easy to show up for. And some people are hard to show up for. And that is a, is a hard thing to think through. Um, I go back to God in this moment because really showing up for someone is between you and God. So when someone is hard and difficult and, and you can't fill all of their needs, I mean, even with Kara, we had to walk a balance. Mm-hmm. I could not be all things to Kara. Right. Um, and so that's hard when you're the only person showing up for someone. At that point, I think you have to take it to God and say, okay, what do you want from me here? Yes. What do you want me to do? And then you cling to that answer and you have got to put aside guilt. Preach. And if you figure out how to do that, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> because, man, I'm great at guilt. I'm great at bitterness too, by the way. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just think it has to become at that point about you and God and what he wants Mm -hmm. you to do because some people are tough and they don't have people showing up for them. Kara and I, one time I asked her, well, it's funny, I said, you're easy to show up for. And she said, oh, me, me who's dying. And I said, yep, you, you're dying and you're easy to show up for. And we were kind of Mm -hmm. laughing about that, Um, you know me saying something stupid like that, but it was true. She was (laughs) easy. Yes. Um, She said, you cannot force people to choose community. Yes. And so whoever your person is, that's tough, that has a lot going on and not a lot of people there, you cannot force them to choose community. I do think you can pray for them Mm -hmm. to find community. Um, But I, it can be a heart issue and a hard issue. So I don't know that we have a perfect answer for it, but Mm -hmm. I just come back to thinking, okay, God has an answer. Yes, and and we don't want to confuse showing up for saving that person. Exactly. And sometimes it feels that way in a difficult situation or circumstance. And sometimes their expectations are too big and they want you to do more than just show up. They want you to save them. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't want to get that confused. Yeah, and a note to the people who are suffering. If I am allowed to say this, be as as selfless as you can be mm-hmm. in that you return love to your people. Mm. Kind of going along with that, Jill, how do you show up for someone when you don't necessarily like them? Um, the person who wrote this question said that they continue to struggle with feeling that the Lord is leading them to show up for people that they least connect with. God is super mean. 
that way. <laughs> and he makes us do all this stuff we don't want to do. <laughs> Whew. That's a tough one. I think that, cause, I mean, I feel like I'm using God in every answer, but honestly, you kind of answered that question yourself. You feel like God is leading you right. to these people. Um, you know, pray about that. I would say make sure it's not a guilt complex. Mm-hmm. But, oh man, I would pray that he gives you the love for them. When I saw this question, I thought of your plan. I think it's in chapter six. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought just a practical way to approach this is that when you um, are thinking about this person and you are wondering what it looks like to show up for this person that you don't necessarily like, mm-hmm. to pray for them. So it's a good idea. Pray for who they are, for, for their suffering. And I think that God will uh, bless that and that he will soften our hearts. And as we are given a love for somebody, then the like can come along with it. But again, it's not about us. And sometimes we have to put aside those those feelings. And it's hard and it's a sacrifice and mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy. And maybe that's where you're not you're not going to get your fill of community from that person. Right. Maybe you turn out to a different group. And that's your community and your support. Mm -hmm. And this is something hard that God is asking you to do. And you're going to have to talk to him about that when you get to heaven. Yeah. I'll be right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are some Bible passages you turn to when comforting a friend in need? Do you have go-to Bible verses or do you have Bible verses that, um, you know, do you find specific ones for a specific person or do you don't not think that's wise at all to share Bible verses? I think it's wise if that's what you feel led to do, but I, that is not usually my way, I guess. I don't know that I usually feel the tug in that direction. So I do not have a list. Um, I think it was Mundane Faithfulness put together a list and we did a blog of uh-huh. songs and Bible verses. That would be a great place to start if you're looking for some. Mm-hmm. But what about you? Do you have certain verses you go to? I do, and they're the ones that have comforted me. So if somebody... You know, sometimes you don't have your own words and all you have is scripture. And that was with Kara a lot. Sometimes I just didn't have um, the right thing to say, but I could share scripture that has been encouraging to me. Um, Another person asked at what point in showing up you share Bible verses. And Jill, I think that you already answered this, is that it really depends on the relationship Mm -hmm. that you have, what your personality is like, and what they are looking for and asking for um, it in you when you are just showing up. Maybe that's not something that's, um, that maybe that's not going to be a conversation that you have. Um, and if it is, again, it goes back to prayer and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something like that. I don't think there's a formula for what verses to share when. I think that we just have to trust the Lord that he will lead us there if that's what um, he wants you to do to encourage that person. Yep, and you might not get a response. Yeah. They might read that verse. And it might bless them, and you might never hear about it. That's right. So just try to send it and do that with that same selfless attitude of, I'm here to support you and love you, Mm -hmm. and then I'm letting go of this. Yes. And now it's out of my hands. Okay. How do we show up for different personalities, specifically extrovert versus introvert? I think that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Kara was um, an extreme extrovert, and I would consider myself an extreme introvert. 
And I've learned how to function in society <laughs> just with age. And, and I have a sister who's an extreme extrovert like Kara and my mother was as well. Um, but sometimes it was really hard for me with Kara because she was extroverted. I'm introverted. Right. And what she was hoping for in our interaction maybe was a big stretch for me. And on one hand, she never made me feel like she had this expectation of me that I was, that she was setting me up for. Um, but on the other hand, I wanted to meet her and love her in that. Um, so how did you, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seemed to me like she loved you as you were. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The things that were difficult for me is when she would say, come over with 20 of my closest friends. Oh yeah. You know that you'd show up and there'd be 20 people in the house and I'd want to shut down and turn around and leave. Yeah. And I would pray and I would step in the door and I would smile. Sometimes I have to tell myself, smile, mm -hmm. make it look like you are happy to see this person, even yeah. though you're terrified because mm -hmm. you're an introvert and you just want to go to the corner. She's talking about me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking kidding. about a lot of us. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of us. Yeah. And for me, a lot of, I didn't know a lot of you because you were from school. You were the school right. community and I was church community. Um, so I didn't know a lot of you and it made me nervous every single time I went over there. Mm -hmm. um, again, it goes back to what does this person need? How can I trust the Lord in this situation? What can I do to serve this person well? Yeah. Um, somebody else asked about what do you do to show up when the spouses have different personalities? And we experienced that with Jason and Kara. Absolutely. Jason is very much an introvert. And when we would go over there, we had to be ready to leave if mm -hmm. he needed us to leave. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody was talking to me about that the other day. They said... She's willing to accept help. The husband is more of an introvert and thinks, we'll handle it on our own. Mm. I thought, oh, wow. She was asking me, what do we do with that? I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> um, I definitely do not have all the answers. But I, what I saw in Jason and Kara was that he saw her need for people. Mm -hmm. And so he met her in that. Mm -hmm. And maybe he wouldn't have had a full house. But he he often... You know, just accepted that because he, he loved her. Well, I think it. one of the things that you can do is you can pursue them individually. So maybe it's not comfortable for one person in the couple if 10 people show up to bring a meal. Right. But maybe, and you know, you're all having a meal together. Like Kara mm -hmm. would love a party every night yes. if she could choose. Um, but maybe you put the meal on the front porch and you leave and then they have the meal. But then maybe later you contact the extrovert and you say, when is a good time for us to come over mm -hmm. and hang out? Um, you know, when is your spouse maybe not going to be there or they're going to have quiet time or they're going to be sleeping and, and we can take care of your needs in this way? Um, I, I know that we're one in marriage, but we're also individuals with different personalities. Right. So I think the idea of pursuit really comes in here um, and pursuing them and loving them well and Kara would always choose Jason's needs over her own. Yes. And he did the same to her. He did. So um, I think that from the outside, it might feel like, oh, dear, I, I don't want to offend this person. I don't want to offend that person. But I think that there's an element of trusting the people, trusting their love for one another, and trusting them to say, this is a little bit too much. I appreciate right. your effort. This is a little bit too much. And not getting your feelings hurt. That's yeah. just the way it is. And that's tough to do. But... 
when you love them and you truly want to be there for them, you have to kind of be able to accept that moment when they say, this is too much, or this is what we need or don't need. Mm -hmm. I think too, when you are trying to show up for somebody who is an introvert or they don't have to be an introvert to not want help or not be excited about someone showing up at their door with a meal. Um, maybe you can be a little bit more sneaky. You know, maybe you can send them a gift card to Papa Murphy's. Yeah. Um, you're not showing up at the door. They're just getting something in the mail. You can write, just was thinking about you this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have a date night on us or something like that. Right. Where you can find ways that does not put that person in the awkward position of having to look you in the eye and thank you for something they never asked for. Mm. Good point. Spoken like the true introvert <laughs> that right. you are. <laughs> Please never just show up at my door, which you have done with huge stuffed animals for my I know. children. I gave you a 10-minute warning. You did, and right? it was wonderful. And my babies on. love those. That's right. <laughs> I'm not a show-up-at-the-door person either at my house. So, And I would have left. Actually, I gave you the option you of did. leaving those on your step. You did, but because I had the 10-minute warning, then I had 10 mm-hmm. minutes to get ready. And, and I would I have excited. happily left those on your step. Sure. Probably would have, you know. I mean, introvert versus introvert. I'd have been fine leaving those well, on your stuff. Yes. You know, but, but I also love like, you and I want to see I'm not going to let her get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good to give people that option. And maybe that's a good way to deal with the introvert and the extrovert uh-huh. husband and wife too. Yeah. You know, we say be specific when you're offering to show up. Give them some options. Yes. And let them choose. Yes. Okay. What about spiritual care? What is helpful and comforting? And when people have injured you with their attempts, saying unkind things like you must have sin in your life and that's why you're suffering, or you don't have enough faith, or you have unresolved conflict, things like that, how do you respond to people who are trying to love you and nurture you spiritually? I think that Carl was a great example of spiritual care. He was on the staff at church and He must have made a decision early on to be there for Kara because he continued to show up for her over and over and over again. He did not miss a treatment. And when she went into hospice care, he did not miss a day. Now, his spiritual care, I I watched him. He would come in. He would often read a verse or say a prayer, and then he would go. Mm -hmm. He did not stay uh, for hours. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he was there for five minutes. He'd just get a hand on Kara, you know, love her, say a prayer, and go. And I just thought, wow, that's so amazing. It was very selfless. It wasn't about him or, mm-hmm. you know, the perfect verse. Right. I don't know that he worried about all of that stuff. I just think he wanted to be there for her. So maybe we can take from that example as the people who are trying to spiritually care for other people. I often say, if we're going to say we are going to pray, then pray mm-hmm. and mean it. Mm-hmm. There was the example of the people who prayed for Kara said, what's the hardest time of day for you? And I think she said morning and night. And Mm -hmm. they said, one said, I'll take morning. The other said, I'll take night. I love, love, love that example. That was great spiritual care. Um, She knew when she woke up in the morning and was, oh my gosh, there's cancer in my body. Someone was praying for her. And same thing when she was going to bed at night. And that's really, really beautiful. As for the people who have been, oh my goodness, hurt. You know, I, I have wanted to talk into this a little bit because I do hear these stories of people have been hurt by, you know, these things we say, you should have more faith and you'll be healed or just whatever. There's so many hard things that are said. First of all, I'll say, I have said stupid things to people mm-hmm. that I can still recall. Yeah. Now, maybe it wasn't, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. But 
it doesn't matter because it was still hurtful. I have hurt people. And I live with those regrets. So if you can find it, I mean, certainly there are people that continue to offend and do these things over and over again. But there are also people who are just trying to love you and they say something stupid. Yeah. So if you can forgive them, I think that that's really beautiful. And from all of us who have said stupid things, we're sorry. Yes. And I am sad over things that I have said and I wish I could go back. And I often wonder, do they think about what I said? Yeah. Um, so if you have it in your heart, if you can let go of that bitterness, you know, do it. Because we are all just humans and sinners and we're trying to love each other. But sometimes we open our mouths and something comes out. And I will have this moment where I think, what did I just say? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we've all been there. I think, though, that there's a difference between someone, Jill, like you saying something that you regret. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may just come out wrong, and somebody who is um, coming around and preaching at you, right? And uh, you know, thumping you over the head with the Bible. Um, th- there's a difference there. I agree. Um, but the forgiveness is necessary. The grace is necessary. And I think when there is that person who um, is trying to help you, but is saying the wrong things, you know, you need more faith or mm-hmm. th- those kinds of things. One of the most helpful things for me when I'm looking at that person is thinking they don't understand grace. They mm. don't understand how much God loves them. They don't know how much God loves me. Mm. And yeah. to have that grace for them and have mercy and compassion for them. Yeah. Because when someone says something to you like that, they're not getting it. Right. So have that grace, have the compassion, but also have the freedom to not invite them over next time. Yeah. Or if they say, I'd like to come over or let's talk, to say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not up for that today. And to not allow that, because if that's super hurtful or if that's going to um, cause damage to your spirit, then then you shouldn't give them the opportunity to do that. Right. Um, help protect them from sinning against you and help protect your own heart from bearing that pain. I agree. I think the most helpful and comforting thing that we can do as far as spiritual care is concerned is point people toward Jesus. We can't save people. We can show up, but we are limited in our human capacity. Only God can save. And to remind people of his deep love for them, to always point them back to that, that brings us the greatest comfort. So if you are in a situation where somebody is struggling, hurting, maybe they're dealing with something um, more emotional or mental like depression or anxiety, the most comforting, um, the most comforting thing that they can hear is to be reminded of God's love for them. Even if they don't believe it, we keep reminding them of that because that is the one thing that is going to ultimately save them and bring them comfort when their hearts are ready to hear that. You have been listening to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast with Blythe Hunt, an official production of the Mundane Faithfulness blog. You can find us on the web at mundanefaithfulness.com or on Facebook at mundanefaithfulness.com slash community. Subscribe now to hear the weekly podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcasting application. Help us spread the word. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you for supporting the Mundane Faithfulness community.